sex, intimacy, and integrity. What is the connection? Greetings, everyone. This is Milani Shani, the love goddess and relationship and life coach. Welcome to Inner Tea Talk, where you get to sip on healing inner tea for your soul. Here at Inner Tea Talk, we strive to sweeten your life experience by adding a little honey, agave, or sugar, whatever your preference is, just to add a little sweetness to your life's tea so you can navigate through your life just a little easier. So today, sippers, we have a bit of a hot topic for you. So make sure that you're in a good place so you can listen to this tea. You all are going to love this. We are talking about sex, intimacy, and integrity as it relates to how you move in relationships with yourself and your significant other. It's a great message that I shared on my previous show, and I feel like this message is more relevant now than ever before. I'm hoping you enjoy sipping on this tea as much as I enjoy brewing it. Afterwards, I will be back with an exercise for you to sip on. So teacups up. Here we go. Sip on this. For those of you who are just joining us, our topic tonight is sexual integrity, love, and liberation, and we're talking about how do you liberate yourself? by being in integrity, having high integrity in your relationships. And we're not talking about sex, so to speak. We're talking about intimacy. We're talking about kundalini energy. We're talking about relationships in general. So I want to go, um, you know, that point was very powerful. It's almost like I wanted to stay on that point because, you know, I notice, um, you know, when we're talking, when I'm talking to men, you know, a lot of times I'm like, oh, you know, men are visual. You know, and that's such a, it may be the truth, but it's so conditioning because it's like, okay, I'm visual, so I'm going to choose my mate based on what she looks like. And when, she, when things run amok and get chaotic and she ends up being um, not who you thought she was because she, didn't, she may not have ever told you anything. She didn't have to really tell you who she was because you're visual. You're just looking. You're just going based on what you see and not who the person is. And so a lot of times when we get into this whole condition thing about what the world says we are, what the world says we're supposed to be, rather than really tapping into that inner part of ourselves so that we can have a real quality relationship, we are one with each other. You know, when I'm fully present, you can feel me. You pretty much know who I am and who I am not. If I'm fully present and you're fully present, we can do that dance with our energies and we'll know right away if we're connected or we're all connected, but if we're getting matched. Because sometimes we're not a good fit for um, each other because we may be on different journeys or moving in different paths. And sometimes we come together not to stay together forever, but just to get and learn uh, lessons so we can elevate. And so we have to really be in consideration of all of these things when we're in relationship, and it's not just intimate relationships, but it's also work relationships, family relationships. We want to always be um, fully present and really allowing our spirit to be in the driver's seat when we're looking at having relationships, especially long-term relationships, and we want to be in high integrity. That means we want to show up as who we are, not masquerading. We read in the book a little bit earlier about how um, the elders in Africa, when Sabonfu was talking about how, they, how the elders taught them, it was about, you know, not to focus on sexual attraction because it diminishes our capacity to see others as who they really are. And so for us, we want to focus on being attracted to the spirit because we completely 
stepped away from that. We completely stepped away from really the spiritual connection, allowing our spirits to do the dance they need to do so that we can elevate because really that's what relationships are all about. Relationships come into our lives. A lot of them are mirrors. A lot of them come to elevate us. Some come to heal us. It's always just depends on where you are and if you're going to be open or if you're going to be resisting. So I want to keep going and I'll read a little bit more. Um, and again, from reading from The Spirit of Intimacy by Sabam Fu Somay. The elder's wisdom of working from the bottom of the mountain to the top means that you make sure the other person understands who you are and you understand who the other person is every step of the way. You learn which areas make your partner scream and what makes your partner laugh, things like that. The elders know that if you start the relationship off with, some, with romance, more often than not, many things are covered up, and it will take years to find the true identity of your partner. That is, if you are given the chance. I know that some people live their whole life living with a stranger. Hmm, that's deep. How many of us have been in relationships? What's that song by um, Samia? There's a stranger in my house. How many of us have been in relationships where, you know, we're living with a stranger? We wake up one day and it's like, who is this? Who is this person that I'm living with? And most of us, what's the first thing we do? We blame that person. We're like, you are not who you said you were. You were not who you, you know, who I thought you were. You were not. But the truth is, did we take a minute to really begin to understand? Did we go from the bottom of the mountain and make that climb and really work to understand who we're with, who we're dealing with, and how that's going to be a match for us, not how good their kids, how good the sex is, how much money they have, how many cars they have, how many houses they have, what they look like, you know, do they take you to dinner, are they going to take you on a trip? No. Who are they? Have you really taken the time to learn who the person is? So if you haven't taken that time to really take a moment to walk that walk, and to come into true unison with somebody, then it's not their fault that you wake up seven years later like, who in the heck is this person? What am I doing here? How did I get here? You got there because you assumed or you didn't even assume. You just looked and you were like, oh, she got a job or he got a job. They look good. Let's get together. We ain't doing nothing else. You know, I had somebody tell me that one time. She's like, I want to do it on there, so I just got in a relationship. I was like, and you wonder why it ended. Okay. It's not rocket science, people. How can you be in integrity when you don't even know what moves you? And, you know, did that make you really think? Because if you don't know what's moving you, can you really, really be honest with somebody? If you don't know what your pain is, you know, we're running around, you know, thinking, oh, I'm healed and, and you know, from that situation. No, you, you just physically moved on from it. But emotionally, you still there. If you're not still in the situation emotionally, you're still making decisions based on the emotions from the situation. The statement when, you know, 
how do you, you know, how do you be in integrity when you don't even know what moves you? That statement, I don't know if y'all know how powerful that statement is because a lot of times you may have somebody who, um, say, for instance, you're in a relationship and you have a guy in the relationship who never uh, listens to you as a woman. And so, you know, every time you're trying to talk, he just is like, okay, can you just be quiet, please? And so you're like, you know, okay, I can't do this. I want somebody who I can communicate with, I can talk to, who wants to listen to me. And so you find, you know, so you 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 in pain because of that because you might really love the person or want to be with the person or resonate with the person. And then you set off on a mission to find somebody to listen to you. Now, when you set off on a mission to find somebody to listen to you, that's really all you're looking for because this other person didn't listen to you. And so what you do is you get into a relationship. You find a guy, he listens to you, it's so wonderful, and then you find out he got ten baby mamas or he, uh, you know, is violent, you know. So he'll listen to you, but he's going to beat you up or take your car and don't pick you up for work leave you sitting on the corner for five hours. You know what I'm saying? So you're not really looking at who the person is. You're operating based on your pain. My pain is I can't find anybody to listen to me. So when I'm out here on a mission to find somebody to listen to me, I'm not looking at everything else, you know, that is a good fit for me or that resonates with me in my spirit. I'm not doing that spiritual dance from the bottom of the mountain to the top because that whole journey, when you start at the bottom of the mountain, like you talked about in the spirit of intimacy, when you start at the bottom of the mountain and you and you that whole journey working your way up to the top of the mountain, that's the spirit journey right there that brings you into unison. If you don't take that journey, you never really reach unison. It doesn't matter how spiritual you think you are. It doesn't matter how connect. You know, one of the things that I'm learning in the in the um, art of tantra that I'm calling that I'm taking the classes is when you meet somebody, you're supposed to have a spark. It doesn't matter who it is. You're supposed to feel connected because we're all connected. So when you get with when you meet somebody and you feel that spark because on that particular night you just happen to be more open than most nights and you actually can feel something, or you're allowing yourself to feel something, and you're like, oh, that's my soulmate. Really? I don't know. How many nights a week are you really that open? So now if you've identified that you have a connection, now the journey begins. It's not about, oh, I'm feeling this way, and so now I'm going to go ahead and, you know, because I know because I'm feeling this way and I know because this person listens to me, that when you start going down that checklist, that's when you know, uh uh-oh, hold on, put the stop sign up. Let me take it easy. Let me take it slow. Because I still got a ways to go up the mountain. There's still, you know, this spirit work thing. What's the work we're going to do in the world together? I'm looking at relationships completely different than when I used to. I'm learning so much about relationships, and I thought I knew a lot, you know, but one of the things that one of my mentors says, you really don't know what you don't know. So 
I know what I know, but some things I don't know about this relationship thing. And because I'm always open to learn and be educated, it's really amazing and exciting to learn new things about in the realms of relationship. You know, what is this spirit work? You know, this I'm out here in the trenches doing this spirit work. I can't be walking around talking about I want somebody who's going to listen to me. Really? No. This work that we out here doing is huge work. So it's going to take a different kind of situation to come into this world. Someone who knows exactly who he is and is moving in his own way, in his own work. And then we can climb that mountain and say, okay, what's this spirit work we can to do? The romance is really icing on the cake. What we're doing in the world and in our personal lives, bedrooms or whatever, that's really icing. We come together for a reason. We're all here for a purpose. And there's people who come on our path. Some of us have several people. Some of us have not so many people that come on our path to help us to move. And sometimes we will get in one situation and stagnate and hold ourselves hostage so we never really get to experience our lives. We never really get to be who we came here to be. We never get to fully express why we're in the world because we're so stuck on this one situation that is, is stifling. It started out good. We were growing. We were happy. We were this, we were that. And then when it started stifling and we started feeling held hostage, then we just stayed in it because we're afraid. When the truth is if you set people free, you may be able to grow to a whole other level and they may be able to elevate too. So you may be holding yourself hostage and holding the other person hostage. But this is what we get into. This is the diminished state of love. This is the diminished capacity of love that we're sitting in right now in the world because we have no hardly any love songs. Now, you know, back in the day we used to have love songs, you know. We want to listen to love songs because it was all about love. It was all about that connection. It was all about family, what we're going to build together, what we're going to do. We got sex, sex, sex all on the videos and all on the TV. We're antisocial on the social networks, you know, and we're wondering what's wrong with our society. We're wondering why we're in the state we're in. I, I have, I'm not wondering why. I'm not wondering why there's so much violence. I'm not wondering why our kids are the way we are. I'm not wondering because I can see it every day in our behavior, in how we show up, because it's not about who we are. It's about what we have. It's about what we look like. It's about who we know. When's the last time you went up to somebody and said, who are you and how are you being in the world? How do you show up? Most people might need a minute to tell the truth. You might get people that come off the cuff, you know, because they don't practice, because a lot of people wearing masks and masquerading and in illusion, oh, they practice, bro. They've been practicing for years and years and years, so they got a story for you. 
But, you know, we have these, you know, I've been coming in, in contact with these, you know, doing counseling with, with men and women who are talking about, you know, I don't want them to help me build, you know what I mean? My boy's going to be a, you get a man, and he's talking about him and his boy's going to be a something, you his woman, please run. Please run for the hills, please, please. Because he ain't serious. If a man, you know, man is serious about you, he's going to want you involved in whatever he's doing. It's true. So know who you are and know why you're here and know, um, you know, what you want to build, how you want to be. You know, if you want to put your makeup on and your high heel shoes and all your stuff and, you know, you want to, you know, be goddess-like, if that's goddess-like to you, cool. But know who you are while you're doing all that. Spend, spend just as much time as you do on the outside, on the inside. Because that's important. If you don't have enough time to do both, I would choose the inside work. Because that's going to give you longevity in all of your relationships, not just intimate. So if you have to put on a pair of flip-flops and a goddess dress so you can be cool on the inside and be good and have peace and be joyful, then, hey, do what you got to do. Or if you're a dude, you know, guy, a man, you want to, you know, put all your little, you know, Jesus sandals and a little linen suit and, you know, do what you got to do. <laughs> so you can do your inside work because that's, that's going to give you longevity. Why are we so ill? Why is everybody on mental ill uh, medicine now? And why are we on diabetes medicine, high blood pressure medicine and all that? Because we can't, we keep trying. It's hard to keep up illusions. It's hard to stay in the fantasy world. It takes its toll on your health. And when you get to the edge, you got to go on some antidepressants. Because when you go on antidepressants, it's help. And pretending, it keeps you in the illusion. It's like, okay, I can stay in the illusion a little while longer. I'm telling you what I know. I've worked with people who've been on antidepressants, and they've come off the antidepressants because they've decided, you know, hey, I'm going to deal with my reality. It's not, it's not easy. Trust. It's not easy. But it's necessary. Let's take a quick break here to warm up our tea, and we're going to come back and sip on some more tea to heal our inner soul. Hi, sippers. If you really want to get your life and stop pushing the repeat button, go grab my book from my website and learn how not to kill your dreams. Yep, that's what I said, kill. Kill is an acronym I created, K-I-L-L. It stands for Don't keep ignoring life's lessons. When you ignore life's lessons, you repeat the same relationships and experiences over and over again. And this can lead to isolation, depression, loneliness, anxiety, and fear, which can delay the attraction of your perfect relationship with yourself, first and foremost, and then with your mate. In my book, I talk about how I brought my lessons to life, learned from them, and stopped pushing the repeat button. I was able to turn my life around and start attracting the life and relationships that I knew I deserved. No more regrets, just powerful lessons learned. So if you're ready to attract the life and relationship that you deserve, go to my website now and get my book, One Lesson Away, 
52 Years, 52 Lessons, How to Bring Your Lessons to Life and Attract the Relationship of Your Dreams. Go now to MilaniShani.com. That is M-A-L-A-N-E-S-H-A-N-I.com. And don't kill, that is keep ignoring life lessons. You may be only one lesson away from where you want to be. You might be just one lesson away from your dream relationship. You may be one lesson away from your dream job or your career or if you want to start your own business. You may only be one lesson away from the peace and joy that you really want in your life. You don't know. One lesson learned may change your entire life. So get my book now at MilaniShani.com. That's M A L A N E. S-H-A-N-I.com and learn what you may be just one lesson away. Okay. So we're going to say um, romantic love doesn't really fit in the village. It just doesn't work. The kind of passion, the kind of emotion and connection that Westerners look for from a romantic relationship, village people look like, look for from spirit. Okay. Let me say that again. Westerners look for from um, the kind of connection that Westerners look for from a romantic relationship, village people look for from spirit. The power of romantic love in the West is really a symptom of separation from the spiritual. Wow. Okay. We'll come back to that because I'm like, that's deep. So the romantic, if you want to use that word, is with the spirit. If a man invites a woman into ritual space or if a woman invites a man, perhaps that's what someone uh, would see as a romantic in the village. But it's not like I'll take you on a trip or something like that. No, the basic um, attraction is towards spirit. So let's look at that collective. So what if your basic attraction um, that you had towards people was all about spirit? That there was no, and when you, when you invite people into your life, you invite them into a ritual space. You invite them to a sacred space. You invite them into a God space. What would our relationships look like if we did that? Hmm. Interesting, right? Very interesting. Um, so you cannot take away from marriage or intimacy the presence of spirit as the guide who approves all the blessings that the elders and the community give. Romance in that sense has a different look from what indigenous people seek in a relationship. In the village, we give because we want to give, and there is no going away and separating ourselves in a retreat of romance. Instead, we are encouraged to expand and share our gifts as a couple within the community. Hmm. So we talk about that a lot on the show. We talk about being siloed and separate and how that is causing so much pain, um, dis-ease, and um, unrest in our community because we don't feel connected. We don't feel connected with community. And that's why a lot of times you'll find people who are really what I like to call desperados in trying to get in relationships, or you'll find people who are very depressed because they're feeling siloed and separate, because we really don't feel connected as a community. And it's really, really important that we have community to be connected to. But a lot of times we don't know how to do that because we're not, that's not really something that's um, being um, supported in our society. 
It's not really something that you see. It's something that Ashe and I experience because we're in that type of environment. But if you're not really in the environment of community, you don't even really know what that looks like. You don't know what that feels like. But when you're in the environment of community and you come together in a relationship that is spirit-centered and focused, then you have a better chance of longevity. And, again, this is not just an intimate relationship. It's in every relationship because what we look to uh, form is relational wealth. What we really want is to have relational wealth because it's very important to our survival and to our longevity. I um, go back to the African proverb that says, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go with others. And so that relational wealth is really important in that sense. So let's see what she says. Um, we're going to go a little bit further, and then we're going to give you uh, some tools. So in the village, desire and lust, are seen as messages brought into you from a spiritual source. If that, derives, if that drives you into disorderly conduct, that's where you spoil the invitation that spirit is implanting within you. The person who feels this kind of urge needs to find out first where the source is, not by looking at the other gender with sexual thoughts, but by becoming aware of the weakness that being locked on, locked on to by spirit reveals. It doesn't mean that your hormones are making you do something. Something else is going on. That's the part you need to listen to. This is why intimacy has been looked at ritualistically. This desire is desire to be a journey with spirit. It is as though a horse has come in and wants you to go, go somewhere. Now you have to find out where is that horse? How is it configured? And what should you do in order to mount that horse without breaking your neck? Romance, as I understand it, in this path of coming together that leads to a honeymoon. During the crazy honeymoon, impossible promises are made. When you return home, you discover there is no way on earth these promises can be fulfilled. And so you brace yourself and hope all will work out. Then things start to fall apart. This is what I call the honeymoon suicide. Romance means hiding our true self in order to gain acceptance. It begins with doing every little thing for our partner, neglecting our true feelings until we reach a point of serious depletion. It would have been better from the beginning to say, I can give you this much, that's how far I can go. With your help, I might be able to go farther, but I won't give you a false image of myself. Without this kind of honesty, our partner is left to wonder, wow, is this the same person I married? He is left to pull out his hair and wonder if he is sane or if his partner is insane. If a relationship is based on a one-way street, the person at the receiving end will do all he can to get his boundaries, his bottomless hole fed, not caring about what happens to his partner. That kind of person does not even care whether his partner lives or dies. He married Miss Perfect so that he could be taken care of and is not ready to have that changed. People in the West must always remember that the energy they vibrate sends a message that only certain people will respond to. They must make their intention clear while looking for someone, and they must keep their clarity once an intimate relationship is established. They must constantly check themselves to make sure they are staying in alignment with their true selves. A friend of mine and I were talking 
yesterday, and something he said to me I already knew, but he said it, and the way he said it kind of activated um, what I already knew. And sometimes that's what we need. We just need sometimes somebody to come by and say something or or uh, give us some energy so that we can be activated and remember because everything that we need to know, of course, we already know. But what he said was he said, you know, it's we are one. We are all one. So he said, when I'm here and I'm sitting with you, you know, it's me and you are a reflection of me. So it's not two. It's not me and you. It's me and my reflection. And so I thought that was really powerful that he brought that back to my remembrance because of, of the fact that if we look at every single thing like that, it's like we look at every single person that comes into our life as our reflection and not as something or someone that's separate from us, we will deal with our lives totally different. We will deal with our lives in a connected, compassionate way rather than disconnect, disconnect, disconnect until we become siloed and separate. And that's not what we want to do because when you become siloed and separate, scarcity is only just a little, you know, you know, ways away. If you're able to be abundant and disconnected, as abundant as we look at it as in money, then your health will fail. You will have some type of scarcity in your life when you're siloed and separate because it's not our natural way of being. We are one. And everything else that is around us and that we see is the, of the reflection of our oneness. And so when we began to really get that and began to take full responsibility for where we are, that's when we will be in our highest level and most elevated level of integrity. When we begin to look at ourselves as one with everything around us, everything and everybody is our reflection. So here's the tools I promised from earlier. Um, so how do we... How do we gain sexual integrity or how do we really liberate ourselves and really love freely? And so this is some of the things that I want to give you. One of the things is tell your mind what to think, tell your feelings how to feel, and tell your body how to react. Master your feelings by telling your feelings what to feel. Master your thoughts and they will impress your feelings. It's so important that we really understand how our thoughts and feelings are working. And so when we say to you, master your feelings by telling your feelings what to feel, a lot of times we are following our feelings and following our thoughts. So I want you to think about it because I, I like to give you some you know, examples that will really make you think. So I want you to think about it as you have a puppy. And you come out of the house with your puppy and you're walking down the street and your puppy is following you. And so your puppy is going to be you, okay? And you is going to be your feelings. And so the puppy is just following behind whatever you're doing and wherever you're going. The puppy's not sure where it's going it don't know, you know, anything other than I'm going to go and do my thing and follow behind, you know, my master. And so this is what we do when we bring things from the past and we're following our feelings. So we get into a relationship, 
and something happens, and we immediately access an archive from the past. Oh, this happened in the past, so let me go back, and this is what I'm going to do because this happened in the past. And so now you're following your feelings, and so everything you do from that moment is based on your past. It's not based on being fully present in the moment. The other day somebody hit my car. Now, I really didn't have any feelings either way about it. I wasn't sure what exactly to do. The police officer was, like, taking care of everything, doing everything, because I never had a car accident before. So I don't have any frame of reference, any archive to go back to, be upset, or anything like that. And, and my car is new. It's, it's, it's less than a year old. But for me, I didn't have all these archives in the back, or I had a car accident before, all this anger that I got to go back and access and bring that forth. You know, I really didn't have any of that. And a lot of times we don't realize that we're following our feelings instead of having our feelings follow us. And so, for example, instead of you, if somebody, uh, say, for instance, you have an issue with communication in the past from your relationship, and one thing you hate the most is when somebody doesn't communicate with you. So now you end up in another relationship because you hate and that's what you're attracting. So you end up in another relationship where there's no communication. And so instead of going back and accessing your archives and saying, okay, I'm going to follow this feeling because last time I ain't having no communication, this is what I did. Okay, it didn't work last time. Why are you going back to access it and bring it back this time? Now you can tell your feelings what you're going to do, and then you follow that. And so it's like, okay, I'm going to talk to this person about communication and how important that is to me. And that's what I'm going to follow. And however that ends up or whatever the outcome is, I'm not going to be attached to it. I'm just going to see, you know, if, 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 if this person says that they don't want to communicate or they don't like communicating, then, hey, this is not going to be a good fit for me. Or it may be a good fit for me in learning how to stay with myself and find some other ways, outlets for myself other than this one person. So it may be a good shift for you to do something different so you can elevate and grow. And so you can follow that rather than following the archives from the past and accessing that because what that means is you are not fully present in your life. So every decision that you make is based on what happened in the past. Every time you move forward and every time something happens, you go back to that framework and say, this is what I did last time. So there is no real emotional and spiritual intelligence here. There is no real fully present and moment that you're in right now because all your framework comes from the past. So you're really still living and acting and being the past. And so what do you get? The same results that you got in the past. So if you're a person that that's doing, think you're doing something different, but you're still getting the same results, check what, are you following your feelings or are your feelings following you? See, we can't be moved by what we see and what we feel. We don't want to be moved by that. We can pay attention to it, like, okay, this is what, you know, but we don't want to let it move us. Because we don't know where that's going to move us to, especially if we access it. So what we want to do is we want to create an environment for healing in that moment because this is what we're choosing in the moment because our thoughts and feelings follow us. We're not following them. 
See, we are the creator of our reality. Another thing that was uh, the speaker said, and I'm talking about Reverend Ike was the person I was listening to, and another thing that he said was he said that he was going through some things and people kept calling him and asking him, how are things? And what he said to them was, it doesn't matter how things are, it only matters how I am. And in that moment, I had an epiphany. It's like, that's true. Why are we worried about how things are when we are the creator of our reality? If we are the creators of our reality, if we are the co-creators with God of what's going on in our life, we have to make sure that we're okay. Because if I'm okay and I create my reality, then everything's okay. Everybody's okay. Everything moving. If I'm living in peace, joy, and love, and I'm the creator of my reality, then that means everything is peace, joy, and love. But if I don't know that I am the creator of my reality, then I'm out here wreaking, you know, holy hell on my life, wreaking havoc on my life because I'm thinking that everything outside of me is creating my life. It's just not the truth. Everything begins and ends with you. You are the co-creator of your reality. However you are, that's how your life is going to be, period. And the wonderful thing about taking full responsibility in that moment is that you can change it whenever you get ready. If you give somebody else full responsibility, you can't shift it because you're too busy waiting on them to come back and apologize and fix it or whatever. And so if they never come back and do that, you're still stuck waiting. But if you take full responsibility and look at yourself and look at the situation, the people, the places as a uh, reflection and you say, what do I need to do to elevate and activate this moment, and you go ahead and move through it, you can change that thing overnight. Again, remember what we said earlier. Change happens overnight. It's the resistance that takes time. So when we are accessing from the past, we become slaves to our thoughts and feelings. We're enslaved to the experiences that we've dealt with in the past when we're constantly accessing that framework, when we're constantly accessing those experiences, we become slaves to the past. The ultimate responsibility in mastering your thoughts and feelings is creating an environment where your every thought and your feeling follows you. So if you're a slave to the past, you're only going to be able to create the past which means you're following your thoughts and feelings. When your thoughts and feelings are following you, you're creating the ultimate environment for you to thrive. This is spiritual mastery. Okay, sippers, I hope you enjoyed sipping on that tea. Was that not a hot topic as I promised? So I promised to come back and give you an exercise to sip on. So I'm going to do that. And this exercise comes from my book, 
I'm one lesson away, 52 years, 52 lessons. And so the, um, the lesson one in my book is everything begins and ends with me. So this is like one of the very first lessons I learned when I started working with my mentors. And so I wanted to come back and give you the lesson um, in, this, uh, in this particular chapter. So this is what I say um, at the end of this chapter where the do-it-yourself exercise is. It says, it has an intentional affirmation, which is I forgive. Forgiveness is really, really important when you're in healing. And it's not about so much about forgiveness others as it is forgiving yourself for not trusting yourself and making the best choices or decisions. And also you can forgive others as well, because whatever, whatever it is you're forgiving, whomever it is forgiving, you're forgiving is always going to be helpful. So what I say is when I become fully present to this lesson, lesson one, everything begins and ends with me. My first step was forgiveness. I had to forgive my mother for a heavy burden she placed on my shoulders at a very early age known and unknown, and I had to forgive my father for never being fully present in my life. And I had to forgive him for causing my mother so much pain and for not being aware of his impact. Then I realized that I was no longer a child. I had to commit as an adult to my own healing. So step one for this do-it-yourself exercise is to read the intentional affirmation three times. So for you, if you don't have my book, the intentional affirmation is I forgive. And so we're going to read that three times. And then step two is take a sheet of paper and write at the top of the paper, I forgive you. I thank you. I release you and set you free now. Therefore, I am free. Again, that phrase is, I forgive you, I thank you, I release you, and set you free now. Therefore, I am free. Okay, step three, close your eyes and take a deep breath. Step four, remember your intentional affirmation. Affirm it three times. I forgive. I let go. I forgive, I let go, I forgive, I let go. Step five, begin to write down every name that comes to you. Now, this step is very important because a lot of people either get surprised by the names that come to them or they block the names that come to them unconsciously. And so you that's why you want to take a deep breath before step five, because you want to let the names just flow. You don't want to judge it, ask why, analyze why. No, you just want to let the names flow and just write them down as they flow out. So you're just going to write down the names that come to you, okay? And then step six, you're going to start at the top of your list and call each name and repeat the sentences out loud that you wrote in step two, okay? So for example, Tom, I forgive you for abandoning abandoning my mother and me and leaving us alone. Tom, I thank you for showing us how to have faith and to rely on spirit for all of our needs. Tom, I release you and set you free now, therefore I am free. So in that example, you're going to say each one of those sentences to each one of the names on your list. So this may take a while because you want to do it undisturbed. So you may, if you have a lot, I've had people have 
three names and I've had people have a hundred names. So it's really up to, you know, what, how many ever names come to you. So the first name of that list should probably be yourself so that you can forgive yourself for anything. And if you don't know exactly what you're forgiving a person for, they just came up. You could just say the sentences. You don't have to have something specific to forgive them for. And then step seven is just record your thoughts and feelings. Like, how are you feeling? What did it feel like to be able to say those things? And if you get stuck and you really don't want to forgive somebody, just keep saying the sentences and their name over and over again until you give it up. Okay, because you giving that up is going to make sure that you're not pressing the repeat button. You're not having the same relationships over and over again with different people, and you'll be able to attract the relationship that you really desire. So I hope that helps you, Sippers. Um, I really um, appreciate you all listening to this podcast today. If you want to reach out to me, you can email me at innerteatalk at gmail.com. If you have any questions about this exercise, again, this exercise is in my book. And we talked about the book a little bit at the break. So you can get the book at milanishani.com. Um, so if you have any questions, please feel free to email me. Again, that's innerteatalk at gmail.com. You could also book a life or a relationship coaching session with me. You can do that at Inner Tea Talk or you can do it at my website, milanishani.com. Thank you so much for sipping on this healing tea with me today. I am Milani Shani, the love goddess, and I trust that you all will allow love to have its way with you all week long. Be love and be well. <laughs>